Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. If this is your first time listening to Death Readers, Death Readers is a podcast where at least one of us is reading through a book for the first time. In this, our eighth season, we are reading through Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park, a book that Rob's read at least twice and I've read never. Which is outstanding since you love the movie. I love the movie. The movie is... uh... So here's the story about me in that movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay, well, let me see if there's anything else we need to discuss before we jump into there. That's that's a good Um, point. That's a good point. When w- the way we do our show is we read through the books uh, page by page like any normal human uh, and we take notes. So what we encourage people to do is if you want to understand what we're talking about when we're referencing the page numbers and what's the events that are happening through the book, we encourage you to read along with us. So go out to your local secondhand bookstore and pick up a copy of Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. If they don't have one, oh my God give them hell seven kinds of it and then go to a barnes and nobles and get it or some some other bookstore but uh uh read along with us and and you can like really hopefully the idea is that you'll be able to see what we're talking about as we go through it and you'll be able to go oh yeah that part they're talking about that okay okay and we think that's the best way to get the most value out of the book and out of us and out of us um i think that the next thing we should do is We're going to introduce a new segment on Death Readers for our post-Harry Potter series called the Edition Edition, where we're going to go through the uh, editions of the books that we're reading and sort of talk about them and what makes them significant or special or interesting, and uh, hopefully where we uh, got them from. Because what we at Death Readers would like to endorse is the concept of going to purchase books at second-hand stores or or at, uh, you know... But local bookstores, you know, trying to not purchase new printings of new books from uh, online sellers like, you know, that that big river in South America. Denial. Exactly. And uh, do what you can to keep small bookstores and small businesses alive by buying books from them or do what you can to utilize the money that you pay in taxes, probably, and go rent a, or, or borrow a book from the library. So if either one of those thumbs up do it um so uh without wasting any more time uh, i'm gonna jump into my edition and my edition is a i believe this is a uh barnes and noble i don't remember if, they, if this is a while ago this i don't remember if they called it a classic back then uh this is actually printed in in august 2014 halcyon days <laughs> but it's a combination of both Jurassic Park and the and, and the Lost World. Uh, I thought my edition was older than that, but it, it apparently is not. Um, it's got these beautiful silver-lined pages and this wonderful white cover. Oh my goodness! Was that a was that a dinosaur uh, um, silhouette on the inside on that page? Do you have like a pteranodon on the inside? Yeah, I thought um, you opened it up too, and there's like a. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Let's find out. Let's find out. There, I've got. Yeah, try yeah, that. It's also on the back. It's also on the back. Oh. The back's got a really gorgeous uh, look. Well, that's um, weird. There's no pteranodons in the movie. There's in the second movie. Oh, shut up. Um, the uh, I think I got this from Barnes & Noble. I think I think it's one of their, like, two for 25, you know, big reprint things. So, mm-hmm. again, local. It's, it's, it's not really a local bookstore, but, I mean... It, they're, they're not doing great business wise so if you want to support them too death readers endorses that too um, the one of the things i like about this book so far or this this printing so far this edition 
is that on the uh, inside covers are printed maps of uh, the islands, or at least the first island. Oh, cool. Um, I think it's the same island. Yeah, I, it doesn't say that it's Isla Nublar on the anywhere on this map, but I don't know if you can see. But oh, that's, uh, that's nice. I do not believe pretty, I have that at all. It's pretty gorgeous. It's pretty well detailed. Is it teardrop shaped like the book suggests? It's, it's a teardrop shape, but it's not, I think, what you think a teardrop should look like. Gotcha. It is definitely bul- bulby at the top and pointy at the bottom. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it has sort of like a Zelda-style map look to it. Mm, it does, you know, like especially with of, all that uh, the grayscale. It feels like it adds a lot of detail. Some sort of Hyrulean map here. I like it. I I'm, I guess that's the, as much as I can do for my edition, but uh, Rob, what's your edition? Uh, I am reading it on the Kindle. <laughs> uh, all those I support all those things you said. Um this book was not available anywhere else to me. I got it from it's gonna make you know, lining our page notes a little more interesting, but hey, at least it's backlit and I didn't kill any trees. Well, you don't I mean that's not necessarily how electricity works. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean electricity Shut isn't be, up. because you're not getting your you can't, you can't prove to me that every step along the way of you charging that device came from renewable energy sources like solar or wind. God damn it. Um, you don't have to have an answer. You could accept. <laughs> but you can purchase ebooks from many fine online retailers that are not. Denial. Evil conglomerates. Yeah. The, you can buy. The point is you can buy books from places that let their employees take bathroom breaks and that's uh i don't know about you but uh i think that's a big deal when having a job i'm a big fan of the bathroom huge fan of being able to relieve myself when my body tells me i need to as as the great dr ian malcolm says when you gotta go you gotta go and that's that's our credo here he also says that's (laughs) one big pile of shit he does and and (laughs) You know how you get one big pile of shit by not being allowed to go to the bathroom all day. You are you are going to wash your hands before you eat anything. <laughs> anyway, um I think that might bring an end to the edition edition. Um we so we're reading Jurassic Park, which if you've listened to the other seasons of our show is a film that we've referenced a lot. <laughs> oh, it, it, <laughs> we, it, it's hard not to reference it with you around. You that's a go-to for you. It's 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 in my uh, wheelhouse, as they say. Sure. Um, it is. It is. Every time I've played games of like, uh, you know, top five desert island movies, it's number one up there with like the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie or mm. something. Oh like, wow! Okay. Um, when was the first time you saw it? Uh, the first time I saw Jurassic Park was I, I think I was like five or six. Um, my parents were like in the middle of getting ready to decide they were going to divorce. Like it was in like, it was coming. It was either coming or it had happened. And I, it may be the last film I saw with the two of them. Oh, wow. Um, Like in theater or at home? Yeah. In theaters. I remember going to the theater and seeing it in the theater vividly. um, Because I remember there's a, I don't remember exactly what moment, um, it was, my memory says it's the Raptors in the kitchen. Okay. Um, 
in that sequence, I remember like physically jumping up and burying my face in the seat I was in, like Mm -hmm. turning around and just shoving my face in the theater seat and just like trying to cover my eyes and my face from the experience because it was so terrifying. It's it's akin to everything I've heard about. Uh, A lot of people have similar feelings when they first saw Jaws as a kid. Interesting Um, that you went. You went farther back and and afterwards, but I was thinking like I had a very similar reaction, not not fear, but a very similar like my mom was like, oh, shit, we got to leave the theater with E.T. When E.T. died, wow. I lost my goddamn shit and was wow. bawling. Um, so just, just you know, similar. Apparently Spielberg uh, speaks to the child in all of us. But go ahead. I was going to say or, or he has a real knack for terrorizing children. Um, <laughs> Same thing. I didn't say he spoke all, nicely. All three of those are Spielberg films. Yeah. So. uh it's uh, my my sister has a has a similar story. Like that story is not like the same kind of. My sister's story of having to leave the theater for a movie that was too scary was actually uh, the Mummy. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah, where she uh, we we went to the theater, and this was like a huge. My memory, I, I always I might my my dad might know which movie theater these were better than I do. Mm-hmm. My memory is that this theater was uh, the biggest theater in the state at the time. We were there watching this movie, and it's early in the movie when uh, they're doing the recap of, like, the history of the Imhotep character, the mummy character, where he comes from. And it's the sequence where uh, they are mummifying him, and it's the shot, it's the Spielbergian shot of him having his tongue removed that's all done in shadow. Like it's it's they they have this these tongs on his tongue and then they like come in to like cut cut him off or something like that right. and then it cuts to something else. My sister couldn't handle it and was just like, "Can we leave? Can we leave? Can we like loudly just being like, can we? I want to go. I want to leave. I don't want to be here. I want to leave. I want to go. I want to leave." And like, we got out. Oh, you left. I'm pretty sure we went and saw it again or like I did maybe without her or something because it was it's a great movie. Um, and she's like 18 months younger than I am, so right. like not didn't have as big a deal. <laughs> For me, as it did for her, like I already, I had already experienced Jurassic Park, right? Uh, many many so, years earlier, yeah. Um, so it, uh, I think we all have those movies that, like, I mean, I hope so. I'd hope. I wonder now with like streaming films, if kids have those feelings or what what that experience is like when you're in your own house when you see that movie that makes you freak out for the first time. Um, I think there's something really even more scary about it being in a theater. Like when you're out of your comfort zone and you're not in your house, uh, that so is some really, part like, of you re- recognizes that other people are going to be bothered by you asking to leave. And you have that adding to everything. I think of it. That's interesting, but I think of it more like the part that's added is a part of being like, I'm not 20 feet from my bed. I'm not sure. Also, true. I can't run. I can't run to my room, my comfort zone and fall asleep or like be like at home. I can't like, the ease of being able to turn it off is another thing at home that you have. So you have more control over it. Like in the theater, you can't stop it. You can object, but it's going and it's going to play. Right. Um, and I think that's like pretty interesting. Um, anyway, that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. No, not yet. So yeah, we are here to talk about, uh, Michael Crichton's Jurassic park. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to discuss before we launch right into the show? Um, what was your first time seeing this movie? Uh, my first time was in the theater uh, in high school. I don't remember too much about. I remember really liking it and everyone looking forward to the uh, VHS when it came out. Nice. And everyone getting it because I think it had that just that mostly solid black cover with the logo. 
Yes. Oh, the the cover design for that. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> um, and I, I, my 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 biggest memory from early on that's not specifically movie related was once it came out on VHS. I was at my friend's house watching it with his mom and her kind of shifty Weasley boyfriend. Ooh. And he was looking at it, and he's like, Psh. everyone's talked about the effects in this. They're not that great. They used to do the same thing in the 60s. It's basically the same. And I was like, and my friend just looked at me and shook his head, just like, no, just don't. Because he was trying to equate the CGI with claymation, I guess. Like, he thought it was stuff. I don't. I, that's what I'm saying. It was so weird. It was such a, I feel like you're either not perceiving reality as it is right now, or you have a very faulty memory of really being engaged with a shitty dinosaur movie in the seventies. I'm not sure right. what's going on, but that was a weird thing to say. I mean, it, like it Jurassic park. Isn't a perfect film. No, there are, there are problems with it. Sure. Um, but it's not like Valley of the Ganges or whatever that's called. Like, it's not a claymation dinosaur right. it's, film. It's none of the innumerable middle of the earth movies or lost world movies. Right. Or even King Kong. Like, right. It, it's, it's, and King Kong's great, by the way. Sure. Um, it, I genuinely believe that movie still holds up in many, many ways, but, uh, or I guess I should say sincerely believe, but, uh, what about you? You have read this book before. Um, mm. So your your okay. expertise on this uh, this book, excuse me, you read this book before that that actually I do have a, a a better memory of. I remember being in junior high, and I had just moved to town. I had a very transient schooling situation, mm-hmm. and briefly my parents were going to reunite, and I was going to school in one town, and then they decided that's not happening, and my mom moved away to get a job, establish herself, mm-hmm. where I eventually stayed, and. I just started school there after spring break. I think it was eighth grade and everybody was talking about Jurassic Park. Like it was the big hit thing, like to the point where like, and I hear Steven Spielberg is going to be making a movie in next summer, two summers later. I don't remember how far out we were, but it was, it was just, everyone was talking about it. Um, So I'm like, I have to check this book out. And that's when I first read it, plowing through it, missing probably so much detail. There's a lot of stuff in this. I don't remember reading through this time. But nice. it it uh, it made me excited for the movie. And then when I saw the movie, I'm like, <laughs> there's only one quibble I have with the movie because something's introduced and never paid off, which I'm like, why did we even spend time on that then? When in the book, it's completely encapsulated. We'll get there. Um, It's not it's not the uh, it's not the ice cream that melts. No, no. Oh, OK, no, it's not the ice cream. Um, is it chaos theory? Because <laughs> that doesn't really pay off much. I, feel I mean, like unless you I, just think that any crisis equates to chaos theory. Which I, it, I, I feel like this book probably is going to have the same. We'll see. We'll see. I honestly don't okay, know. We'll see. You I, don't I'm talking about actual we'll plot there. point, though, not, not ideas. Ah, gotcha. So cool. we'll, uh, we'll get there eventually. Um, well, I am psyched to, to start reading. I'm psyched to. Well, I mean, we don't, we've started reading. Are you? Are you? I, I know. And this question probably would have been better to ask last time. And I didn't think of it. Are you apprehensive about this not living up to the movie, or do you not care because you'll always have the movie? Oh, no. I would much rather this book be better than the movie. Like, I mean, like I said, I've, I think the, the thing with that is, like, I've already accepted what's wrong with the movie. Sure. Like, 
why does the why does the lamb leg disappear? Why does the lamb leg or the goat leg fall at all? Like the T Rex eats the goat in one bite. Why it gulps it down? Why does the lamb leg fall at all? Why isn't it there later? Uh, how come when uh, Timmy's dr- uh, climbing the the electric fence, uh, does the shot show that the fence is doesn't extend beyond like three barriers? And you can see it pretty clearly. What about that potted plant that was in that shot where it definitely shouldn't have been? You're going to have um, to point all this shit out to me when we get to the movie. I'm very excited for this. Um, like, yeah, check in our, check out our eventual, well, go, go check out our Death Readers Patreon and you can hear our movie commentaries for all the Harry Potter movies, uh, and, uh, eventually a Jurassic Park commentary, uh, where I will work really hard to point out all of the continuity errors in Jurassic Park because I have seen them. I'm going to have to accommodate um, the TV for that because I think I only have it on Blu-ray and it's the only way to watch it. I think uh, there's even one where, like, I'm pretty sure Dennis Nedry has a bag and then it's gone or, or him or Dodson have a bag that is in one shot and then not in another shot okay uh there's a whoever was the continuity person on jurassic park fucked up um (laughs) that's probably such a fun engaging movie that people keep rewatching. you're gonna notice that shit it's true i mean even even like you know when you and i watched goblet of fire and we saw that uh spoilers this is a thing for if you haven't seen the goblet of fire uh movie go see it and if you would like to hear our commentary about it go to our patreon page and check out our patreon page um nicely done become a patron it there's that moment where uh mad eye moody's character or the character of mad eye moody if you will um is sitting there at, i think like the yule ball or something oh, right and and he's sitting on a on a chair and the character has one leg right like he has a leg and like a a, a robotic leg but um Brendan Gleeson does have both of his legs. So they had to figure out a way to like CG out his leg. So because he's sitting, what they decided to do was just have him sit in the chair and cut a hole in the, in the chair or the bench or whatever it was and have him put his leg through the hole and then cover his leg in like green felt or green fabric so that they could CG it out later. Well, except that they forgot to. So if you watch that movie, you can see this shot where it's a very brief moment mm-hmm. of him sitting there and the, and the CG leg is there, but the green leg is also there. And it <laughs> three legged moody. It's a really weird looking moment uh, that we discovered sort of organically in our, in yeah. our commentary it just happened. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely run through a list of that and I'll try to be prepared. But here we are get, wasting time not starting reading the book, um, this book. And, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to be faster on the uptake in later episodes, uh, listeners. This is, however, our first non-Harry Potter book. So we're kind of excited. We're kind of interesting in like, you know, just drinking it all in like a like a T-Rex at a lake, just gulping it in. I'm pretty sure that's a thing from one of the other movies. OK, uh, okay. there's a there's a scene where T-Rex is like really thirsty oh it's the t-rex in a pool it's a t-rex in a swimming pool so that that's what it too. is because it's, the, it's t-rex the second one because yeah because because the t-rex wakes up after being tranquilized and they say something like he's gonna be thirsty and then it's a shot of the t-rex drinking out of a like san diego swimming pool backyard swimming pool and the dog's like hmm? and then he eats the dog i think right well, of course you have to or she she eats the dog, she eats the dog. apologies <laughs> okay well that should let us get into it here we go uh we're going to start with the introduction the engine incident. Yes. Uh, I have a note on uh, page one. Uh, I didn't have any page numbers in mind for the introduction, so I just have a couple of notes here. All right. 
I'm going to go first because I was just... Uh... All right, here, I'm, I'm going to read this line from, from this page. Go for it. Indeed, the fact that biotechnology can be applied to the industries traditionally subject to the uh, vagaries of fashion, such as cosmetics and leisure activities, heightens concern about the whimsical use of this powerful new technology. Mm -hmm. The idea of... I don't know what this introduction is supposed to be. Um, it it kind of feels just sort of like a like a primer about what biotechnology is. Yes, it doesn't really feel like it's really about an engine incident at all. That is weird. Uh, maybe he meant the engine inception or something. Maybe, but it, it just sort of seems like he's explaining to you his f basic thesis about the story. I mean, at the end of this, uh, there is a moment where he talks about the incident where like. Oh, I'll get to that, but like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah but in, I see, I see, yes. In, in in this specific moment, most of it is like him basically saying, "Here's my thesis." Yes, biotechnology is going to become the biggest industry in the world. Like it is booming. He didn't know about social media. It's booming. It's going to interact with our lives in ways that we can't imagine. It's already interacting with li our lives in the ways that we couldn't have imagined, but it, we can see. And we're pretty ignorant of, but we can see. Um, and it made me wonder if he had any inkling about the concept of, but he kind of, because he kind of warns about what I interpret to be uh, a warning about basically like biohacking, mm -hmm. like the idea of being able to uh, do gene modifications on ourselves in sort of like a grassroots uh, garage style bioengineering. Like that's a thing people can do and people do do. And that is like pretty risky and kind of scary, but it's happening. And I just wonder, like, it makes me wish he was still alive. It makes me wish we could ask, like, he we could get his take on that because he clearly was really invested and interested in in this kind of uh, even pseudoscience. Like, because you know you've mentioned before, like it it's not really the most scientific book uh, based on things you've read, but uh, he he clearly has like an interest and a mind for it and the capacity to communicate the significance of, of science to the average person. Sure. Um, and it just made me think about that because in a, in a very real sense, Jurassic Park is a story about biohacking. It's mm -hmm. about finding a way to put together things that shouldn't happen and create new life or, or alter life so that we can, uh, to our own means to play God. So, uh, it just, it just occurred to me as I was reading that sentence. Um, my next note is on page two. Crichton asserts that scientists have historically rejected profiting from their discoveries. I wonder how he would feel about tech companies making billions of dollars off of a global pandemic. I wonder how he feels or how he'd feel about companies profiting from a COVID vaccine. I think he would hate it. I would I would say his defense might be semantic that the scientists, the people doing the research are more altruistic and trying to get that done whereas the figureheads right. you know the the jobs and the bezos are the ones who are doing the thomas edison thing of i'm going to take your science and make money and i'll take your science and make money thank you right, right. so i I, I, I feel like it would probably stand up to that scrutiny but that's totally putting words in his mouth i have no idea yeah but i also wonder like when it, it, he doesn't seem to give any sort of nod to the idea that that was definitely happening when he wrote the book sure like the idea of you know, companies using biotechnology or purchasing biotechnology rights or purchasing laboratories so that they could have the rights to their discoveries so that they could profit off of them. Yes, those aren't the scientists. Right. But we don't live in a world where science at this point, especially bioengineering stuff, science 
can't be funded. The research can't be funded. And that's a subject of this fucking book. I was just going to, that like, was just what like, I was going to say is that his this it, book it, could be a condemnation of that in Hammond. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, and, and it, it, without, without the, like the, the investment of, of huge, uh, corporations, uh, unless you're getting it from the government, sure. which is probably a, a not as large a pool as it should be. Um, especially if you're talking about stuff that isn't weapons based. Sure. If you're talking about things like, you know, how to turn soy into, I don't know, clothing. It's, it's, it's an interesting like note. Cause, cause that's, that's, you know, at this point in time, you know, uh, we've actually been recording death readers remotely for the most of this year. Mm hmm. Uh, as a as a precaution for uh, uh, against COVID and the and the the pandemic, at this point in time, Rob and I are in different rooms, uh, voice call or video calling each other and recording ourselves independently of one another. Uh, so, like that's that's the extent to which we're you know, and we've been doing that since March. Yeah. So uh, it's it's not like this isn't a very present thought in all of our minds at this point in time. So when, if you're listening to this podcast in who got, God knows, I, I keep meaning to go back and look, what's the episode? Cause I'm wondering if we're over half our this episodes is, must be that way by now. Right. Maybe not. This yet? is episode 71. Right. Um, so I don't know when, whatever March. <sighs> yeah. Um, but it's been, I mean, it must've been at least like 25, 20 episodes ago. Yeah. Some, yeah. Easily, um, anyway, easily. So the uh, anyway, so it just makes me wonder because we're, we're dealing with this stuff right now, like these ideas of people being like, yeah, you know, we're going to work on a vaccine, but we also want to make some scratch out of it. And it's like this is this per, it's a personal problem I have with the idea of profiting off of medical science. Um, it, it really makes me feel bad. The idea that like. There's no more glaring example of how human life has a specific dollar value than people like not being able to afford healthcare. Uh, and that's a really, to me, it's a really like sickening thing. So that's what this makes me think of. Sure. Uh, after that, I, I just also have an overview. So why don't you go ahead? Okay. I'll try to burn through these real quick. Cause there's mostly observations. Um, it seemed to me kind of along the lines of what you were thinking. Uh, Michael Crichton thinks science is great, if not for the fucking humans. Right. Getting right. in the way of what we're talking about. Uh, international genetic technologies. It's kind of exciting to see what NGEN stood for. I mean, you probably could piece yeah. it out, but it's, I, I don't know, it felt like a kind of like being in the room where it happened. We were like, oh. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you understand that concept existed before Hamilton, the greatest musical in the world, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> Sure. Um, I liked how he was seamlessly with, with, with this, the construction of this piece, this, what did you call it? Primer. Um, yeah. For the book, which I think is a great title or a term for it. Um, he's transitioning from real to fiction. A lot of the people he mentioned yes. were real people. I looked them up, but then he gets to Biosyn and that's where. Because, it starts to become, as soon as yeah. I looked, because I, I, I'd been looking it up and I looked at Biosyn and I was only hitting Jurassic Park wikis and I'm like, oh, they're the bad guys. Okay, 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 okay. I'm with it. I'm with it. Before yeah, they're the ones that Dodson works for. Right. Before he mentioned Dodson, he mentioned Biosyn. Right. So that's why I looked at that right. first. So at that point, but just the way he just kind of veered into it, I'm like, that was really smooth. And that was kind of, here's an idea of where the science is and now we're in fiction. And it was, it was really, really slick. I'm like, that's cool. Right. Um, and then my last note here on this prologue was it's weird or introduction. It's weird to think this takes place in the eighties. 
Yeah, it, 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 every time they mention dates, I think I have a note about that at some point later of just like when when exactly does this happen? Because right. it, I, I kept looking for a date. I, th- I feel um, like I, I read eighty look- nine was when okay. this was taking place, and that's why they were referring to eighty seven, eighty six, the seventies. Right. Never occurred to me before reading it that I didn't know when the book took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, contextually, it makes sense. Sure. That it would have had to have ma- taken place in the in the eighties. Yeah, interesting. That's it. Okay. Um, my uh, first off, I'd like to say I think this is a great introduction. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I think as as a primer, it's really beautiful. It gives you, if you're someone who knows absolutely nothing about bioengineering and genetics, this couple of pages gives you enough context to really be able to f- understand i think the significance of the story he's telling mm-hmm. and and the potential like uh risks the gambles the the effort it would take to do the things that are going to be described um i think it's really well done um it also kind of functions as a you must be this high to ride this ride yeah marker because it's like if you can get through these two pages you'll be fine Right. This is, this right, is as dry right. as it's going to be. Right. If I understand it, though, uh, correctly, that the the way the introduction presents it, it seems like the events in the book have already taken place at the start of the introduction. I believe that's the engine incident and why I was having trouble. Right. This whole book. This this whole is, book is the engine incident. Yes. And that's like. So so that the way it also kind of says, and I think I wonder if this is something he should have taken out or explained better, because. What he says is it's it's like uh, the book or the, the the events described are cobbled together from uh, statements of people who didn't sign NDAs or the people who survived or some other shit like that. And it makes me wonder, like, OK, that's fine. But like usually when you tell that story, it's tell it's told from a first person point of view, like right. the person who's experiencing the journal thing. entries, emails. Yes. Yeah. Recording interviews like Dracula. This is all this is all done like you know narrative third person yeah like we're we're a we're in the room where it happened as you so ignorantly put it um, <laughs> holy shit <laughs> sorry <Thrown> down. <laughs> that's not the right word i meant insolently um <laughs> uh, um well it just makes me curious because it's like it's just like i'm i'm fascinated to see who survives in the book and if it's different than the movie mm-hmm. i'm fascinated to see uh if the NDAs, if the interview, if any of that comes up, um, because none of that is is addressed at all in the film. There's no, for lack of a better term, like prenuptial like signings. There's no like moments where it seems like uh, Grant or Sadler like sign anything away where they're like, of course we won't tell anybody about what we see. Why would we have to worry about that? Do to do to do or anything. Um, it seems like. At the beginning of the second film, I think it's suggested that uh, Malcolm has betrayed his NDA mm-hmm. or broken some sort of like agreement and is in legal trouble with InGen, with Hammond. That's my memory of it. I haven't watched that movie as many times. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm interested to see where that goes. That's all I got for the rest of the introduction. That brings us to the prologue, which I think is interesting to have a book that has both. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's normal or not. It just feels like interesting. Um, that brings us to prologue. The Bite of the Raptor. Good. Good title. 
It is, but it makes me curious. Okay. Um, go ahead. Oh no, this is fine. I know what this is. This is fine. This is the bite of the raptor. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Uh, page seven. Uh, page one, which I believe is your page three. We'll try not to get into that too much. But right. uh, I wrote. I found there was a refreshing adultiness to the text, <laughs> which I feel I haven't experienced in a while. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I've spent, I mean, I've read some other things, but it was, it's been so like two years, <laughs> two years of, uh, I think I, maybe with the level of observation that I brought to this book, it's been two years on, you know, a, a, a younger series. So it was nice. Fantastic it was just like, series. Ah, this is good. This is good. Um, I, okay, that that's kind of my overview. Oh, okay. My overview note of this chapter is that is I just I don't I don't want to be mean to Harry Potter, <laughs> but I as I was reading the prologue, I actually felt like I was reading a book that was appropriate for my reading level. Sure, sure. And and then I, I thought simultaneously like uh, is that something I should be happy about because like this book's probably written for fourteen year olds and is it great for me to think that like fourteen is the level at which I my readings like. Is I, that I don't think I don't think it's written for fourteen year olds. I think it's written to be a fun beach read for a oh, okay. slew of adults. Um, this is not um, Dostoevsky, <laughs> no. But it's I I think I, I I think certainly after what we've slogged through for seven books in two years, we can we can go ha 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 whatever that means. I don't think it's pigeonholing us. I think it's just a reflection of the material. It's you're saying it's not it's not the brothers over Raptors. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, um, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I, I, I know that for me, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, what I'm saying is I feel very unread. You know, sure. how some people are well read. I feel unread. Sure. Um, that's what we're going to change. Right. So like this, I, I just have this sort of if sense of my reading level is much lower than I am old. So um, I that's that's why I say it like that. That's why I give that preference of like, yeah, if anybody's listening and thinks I'm an ass for thinking that this is more my reading level, then, you know, it's probably because I am bad at reading. Right. But I did notice that I started to get engaged in this chapter specifically when the doctor was observing the palm wounds. And I thought she was describing the, the lacerations on the inside of the palm. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I remember thinking, I, remember, like, I kind of like my, like Harry Potter, my mouth gaped. And I thought like, oh my God, those are defensive wounds. I remember thinking that to myself, like, like I know what this is before he says it. And then like, a, sure enough, a couple lines later, she refers to them internally or something as defensive wounds. And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm like, I was led here. I know I'm being led sure, here. Sure, But that's a but good like, author, I think. Who knows how to, yeah, who knows how to use what foreshadowing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was thinking like, oh, wow, this is great. And, and then same when like the inconsistencies that she was describing in like the the injuries uh, between the injuries that she was being told about like how they happened versus her own observations, and she's like you know like this looks more like a mauling and they're like no it's a construction action it's a construction accident she's like well there's no dirt in the wounds and they're like construction accident <laughs> and she's like what's all this weird smelling foam and they're like construction accident and I was just like following along and like every time there was a new thing she was noticing i was like i know what this is right because i've seen the movie sure but like what reading it i was like i was imagining being a person who hadn't 
being a person who's reading this for the first time and hadn't seen the movie and thinking like, oh my God, what, what am I reading? What's happening? And what, what happened here? What is this? Again, presuming they know that there's fucking dinosaurs in it because of the cover, but like, and the title, uh, but, and the back (laughs) probably of the book and anything you would have known about it. But like the idea that like, it reads so much like a horror movie in that sequence or a horror story in that sequence where like the event has already happened. Mm -hmm. The attack has already happened. The person is bleeding out and dying in front of you and all this crazy shit is happening. And like you much like this doctor character are trying your best to get, come to grips with what it is that's happening and contextualize it and rationalize it. And you can't because he hasn't told you what happened yet. And that is the like, that is the 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 kernel of fear is like something out there can do this to you. We don't know what it is and we don't know where it comes from and we don't know who is protecting it or why. And they're not being honest with me. And that's that's very scary. Yeah. Or at least well done. So I'm just like I found myself engaged mm-hmm. and I felt like that was also really refreshing. Uh, going to something you said, um, I I have also found it really easy to sort of put it like a to to have like a proxy version of me who's never read this before. And I can engage right. with that experience really well. Like, I'm like, I could just take away everything. I know. I'm like, Oh, I just read it like that. I'm like, this is, this is really engaging. This would keep me going. What the fuck's going on? What's a Raptor? Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like I was, I was bummed out that we picked the page number that we picked because I was like, n- not entirely, but it was the first time in a long time. I felt like, Oh, I could read through this book. Like I could probably just keep reading this book mm-hmm. and like, make it the thing I want to read right now or want to entertain myself with as opposed to like, Oh, I'm not going to play video games or I'm going to go watch a movie. It's like, I, I felt when I was done reading the the pages we had allotted, I was like, Oh yeah. I had that same thing. I have more time and I could go, I could go back. I kind of want to, I can't go back. I can't, I can't tell Rob, Oh, also read another chapter and then another chapter and then another <laughs> chapter. Cause I don't know how much time he has to commit to this and I've got time, but I don't, I want to read more. So um, I found all that really interesting. Did you have any more page notes? I, 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 I do have a page. A couple more. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Kindle page three. Uh, had a very visceral reaction to arterial blood, but then I always do. You always do. <laughs> but I, I totally could understand. I was like, huh. Uh, also page three. Oh, I was, I was saying uh, what you were talking about um, when he was when Michael Crichton was explaining Bobby's uh, observation of the wound seemed like the first real example of Michael Crichton doing his explaining science for lay people. Yeah. And, and, in a way that like I can totally get this person being smart and observe observative. Observative? No. Um, observant. Observant. <laughs> I like observative better. Uh, but anyways, um, doing all these things and, and yet feeling like you're along for the ride never feeling like what what are they talking it was really it was really really well done uh page four the paramedic i didn't like too much oh her her assistant manuel aragon uh okay described as intelligent and well-trained but becomes a superstitious peasant i didn't have so much of a problem with that it, it, like suddenly he's a extra in indiana jones i was like what it reminded me less of indiana jones and more of outbreak like the idea of as soon as you see that someone's suits cracked, they are, they're a leper. You have to avoid them. They're a pariah. You have to that, walk But there's away. scientific basis for that. He's bringing up the, the hoopia. Yes, yes, he is. But like, I, what I'm saying is like, I didn't blame him for that 
because again, he's, I think the thing that pushes that over the line for me of being, I can appreciate it. And I'm not saying like, I think people who are superstitious are reasonable. I don't. What I'm saying is it's, it's the foam, the ad, the addition of the smelly foam seemed to be the thing that was a very real and tangible thing that was pushing him to be like, listen, neither of us can explain this foam. It smells awful. It smells like death. I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. You've never seen it before. I don't have an explanation for this, but everything else about this feels like this ghost story. And I wouldn't, he didn't say this, but I interpreted it was like him being like, I wouldn't have believed this, but this foam is freaking me out and I don't want to deal with it. Okay. It felt to me like he was, he was dipping his toe quick, a little prematurely into the uh, ignorant savage pool, but perhaps you have a point. Well, I don't, I think that you are right in the sense of it's not, I, I frog DNA'd it. There's <laughs> parts of this, of that are missing. Uh, he, he, like Crichton doesn't tell us that's what he's thinking. Right. He doesn't really have to, I think in this specific instance, but he, I think he paints enough information for us that we are supposed to kind of get the thoughts that I had, but right. I don't know. Maybe, um, I think the other thing about it that helped enforce it is, yes, there's, the, as you put it, ignorant savage thing, which I don't think I would call it in this situation. I'm just saying um, it kind of, it just seems like it's leaning on those tropes. It is, but it's also to like. To have that character, to have that doom. But he's that, not the only one. The 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 woman who she goes and visits, who's like the midwife or like, well, well that's because she's giving bringing birth. up the topic of the hoopia. She's not saying, look at these wounds, what does it make you think of? No. But but the hoopia topic is something that makes the people of this area uncomfortable because it's a cultural thing. Yeah, but she's a mid she's a midwife. She's practically a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. My, uh, where are you at? Where are you now? I, I'm notes? done with that pro. Or... So my my page seven is is a completely unnecessary juvenile thought. Okay. Um, the quote from the book is somebody said. I think I think it's uh, Bobby says. Where is the island they've come from? And my thought was, in the ocean, duh. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and and I just thought, I just thought, like that seems kind of like a fuck you answer. That like, I'm glad they didn't put in the book, but it made me laugh. Um, that's that. That should bring us to chapter one. First iteration, almost paradise. So first iteration is like a, a it's the, it's like the block yeah right? the section like act, book when i say one. book one act one yeah right okay my first note is on my page 11 okay which i believe would be what your page seven something well don't worry. I, I don't think we need to worry too much about it. i only have one note and it's re- re- regarding the wife and it can be pretty much brought up at any time okay my note on page 11 is that is is uh this is shaping up to be like the opening sequence in lost world <laughs> Um, yes, which it is. I, I believe it. I, I will can now confirm and say it fucking is. Yes, very much supposed to be that. Yes, uh, that I, was one of those I, Godfather two things where we like took the sequence we couldn't right. put in the first movie, put it in the second one. Yes, I do think, however, that it works better in the movie. Um, the mm. I, I, let me rephrase. I'm interested to see how it pans out in the book because I think there's a really significant implication about how it happens in the book that is not at all included in any of the films. Do you want to do you want to say what your supposition is and then I won't respond? Yeah. Right. I think the thing that is happening is that these people are on the mainland and the dinosaurs have already moved from the island to the mainland and are attacking people on the mainland. I think that is the case. Yes. 
Right, and that's not something that happens in the movies at all. Right, because it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. They should the Lysine contingency. Um, it's <laughs> they should be dying out there. Um, we we control them all. Like we we control their diets. Ugh. Um, we simply deny them that. Sorry, it's all these moments like that are in there. Um, but my my concern is that you 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 made it sound like there's more to these people in the movie. Yes, there, there's a moment in the movie where well, the thing about it in the movie is that it, it, it's 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 a mix of the. Okay, in the book, they are on the mainland. They're going out to a beach that's secluded. They get attacked by dinosaurs who have made it off the island. The, the dinosaurs making it off the island are never a part of the movies, mm-hmm. except for in Lost World, where they are transported. Two dinosaurs specifically are transported to the mainland, and that's what happens. Right. Uh, not in counting fucking Jurassic World and Jurassic World Two, uh, whatever. So, um, in the in the second film. This family is on a private yacht that takes its way up to the shore of Isla Nublar. Uh. And they they park on the beach of the island where the compies come out and attack the girl. Right. So I like that better is what I'm saying. I, I mean, I, and I'm saying I like it better having not read the book and not knowing if the dinosaurs making it to the mainland becomes a thing that happens later that we get to experience differently in the books. Because that's something that's completely new to me, so I know nothing about. I don't know enough about it. I don't know if there's more than this too much, other than it's just another example of shit is not under control like you thought it was. Right. Um, I do think it's a little odd to put that. uh, You're right. I think that's what it's supposed to seem like. But I think that might work better if you already knew what was supposed to be under control. And we don't know at this point what is supposed to be under control. Mm -hmm. We just know that there are lizards that are attacking people. And and at least in these chapters, it's mostly just a lot of groundwork. But I mean, it does also establish that Hammond, when we get to him, is going to be frazzled and over in over his head. Yes, because shit, true. we don't. This is what we know, and he should not. This should not be happening, and it's setting the right. scene for all the shit's going to go down. Right, exactly. So, um, I uh, that's what I mean by when I say like I, I, it's it's a handful of thoughts. One, I don't know what happens with the dinosaurs on the mainland. That's really fascinating to me. I cannot wait to read about that. I like what happens in the movie better because it keeps the dinosaurs on the island, which is a huge plot point of those movies. Mm-hmm. Is the island the dinosaurs are kept there it's a big reveal at the end of this this movie or this book that they are in the second film that they can survive like without the lysine without like the way that all the, the way they they built in their fail safe their suicide you know button and it didn't work right um that's that's a huge part of the next movie i have n- i have no idea what happens in the lost world book i have no idea if it's even loosely related to the film i really only remember like the equivalent of the first 10 minutes of the book. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm ignorant on all of that stuff. Uh, my next note is page 12. Uh, mine's Kindle page 12, so probably before you. Just regarding the, um, the, the, <laughs> the wife, and I feel like maybe this is going to be a running theme, but women, am I right? I, you I, think so? I, I just feel like there was an aspect of... The, me- the guy was level-headedness. He was trying to be there for everybody, and the wife was just, just so crazy with her weight and, and what she wanted, and she wanted to go to the beach, but now she doesn't, and I just don't get it. And then you tell me that Michael Crichton was married six times, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not saying anything yet. I'm saying I'm keeping an eye out. 
it is also kind of interesting that he's made Dr. Sadler 24. Yes. Well, I was, and I very was, attractive. I was going to continue. We certainly didn't hear how Alan's clothes hugged his body. <laughs> and also that Alan is a burly 40-some-year-old who's, yep. who's got a huge beard and is a real man's man. And, yep. like, he's got this tight 24-year-old on his, like, who's also smart, oh, oh, also yeah. a model. Oh. On his on his hip and like, you know, she's the perfect woman. Right. She doesn't need to. She's not old enough to have to worry about needing plastic surgery like that other useless woman. She's a, she's a paleobotanist, I mean, so you know she's probably just going to order a salad when you take her out. So cheap date. Yeah, I, I I think I don't think you're wrong in seeing what you saw there. I I didn't take it as strongly as you took it. I took it more like. I, I saw it more of as an, an indictment of them as a couple. Mm-hmm. I didn't see him as being this great husband. Uh, I saw it more of like, oh, these are people who are incredibly rich. Like the idea that they drive a Land Rover specifically. Yes, that was the amusing idea, to me. The, the, there's other things in there, like like stuff like that, where like she had planned to get this plastic surgery and he had to put a stop to it. So he like all this well, other see, different stuff. Like clearly, that's, that's where I got like the sensible husband who was like, oh, I already told you you're pretty. What do you want from me? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I I guess I interpreted these people as being very wealthy, mm-hmm. very uh, frugal, I guess, with their wealth. But like at the same time, like that's not something anybody I know would ever consider. Like not only just a trip to Costa Rica, but a, a trip to Costa Rica that also includes going there for plastic surgery. Right. Um. So it I took that not as much as him being a, a like a cruel man as much as I took it as them being like these affluent disconnected yuppies that you're not supposed to feel good about. Sure. Anyway, I don't have another note till Punta Arenas. All right. I'm going to go into mine. Uh, page 12 again. Sorry if these page numbers don't make sense to you guys. We're, you get the gist. Yeah. Um, I, okay. So I know that this probably isn't an interesting note to anybody, but me, but I noticed it and I felt like bring it up but at this point in the story, when we're introduced to Christina, it's the second time in the book that Crichton has introduced a character with their full name and then almost immediately started referring to them by a shortened version nickname. It started first with Dr. Roberta Carter, mm-hmm. who he quickly began calling Bobby. Yep. And then now with Christina, he almost instantly starts calling her Tina. And that's not a big deal. It's not it's probably not very interesting. It's just something I noticed by page 12. And I thought was something that I'm I'm interested to see if that continues. Like if, if I don't know if I don't know which characters from the films are in the book, I'm assuming the Lex and Tim characters are in the book. That I I can't tell you. I, I feel like there's something different, but I don't know what it was. I don't know if their names are different or something like that, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's something like he introduces Alexa or Alexandra and Timothy and then changes their names immediately. So that's kind of, I guess what I'm saying is I'm looking for. I mean, I, I think it, it, it definitely gives scope to the character. You know, they have a full name and, you know, if they're a doctor, then accreditation, but then they also have a fun nickname side. And I'm wondering if it's a, if it's a thing to try to trick us into relating to them. Maybe like, if it's a way to make us feel instantly more familiar with them, uh, like my so name's, we can, my name's Roberta Carter, but you can call me Bobby. Yeah. Like you refer to your friends as Tina or right. Bobby, like something like that. But like interesting, a character you wouldn't know is 
you know, Roberta, mm-hmm. the ki- that kind of thing. Just a thought. Uh, page 13. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was getting really into the book and I just started taking notes by being excited. And this one was just, look out, Tina. Those aren't bird tracks in the sands. They're actually tracks of the creatures birds evolved from. Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and this, and in this movie, they're going to fucking eat you. That's what I wrote. Right, sorry. Uh, page 14. Uh, this is a different, this becomes a thing. Um, so here on page 14, Michael Crichton is really laying into the dinosaurs are birds angle. Mm. Uh, it's, it, it's starting to become very heavy. It's, it's, it becomes densely packed. This idea of comparing, comparing, comparing birds and stuff. Um, first we have the tracks in the sand, uh, then we have the, the the suggestion that Costa Rica has a large bird population, uh, in in a sense suggesting that Costa Rica is almost maybe deliberately the perfect habitat to uh, raise dinosaurs or for dinosaurs. And so many then different climates, the, so different birds possibly. Right, right. And then we have the comparison of the small lizard to a chicken intended to both call to mind dinosaurs, the dinosaur to bird comparison, but I think also to suggest that Christina, like us, probably doesn't generally view chickens as a threatening creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I think this is metaf- a metaphor for the whole story. Like, humans underestimate the power of that which we've already tamed. So for us, like, b- birds or genetic engineering, we aren't afraid of it because we've already, like, tamed it. We've already put it in the coop, as it were. And then finally, the the last thing that I thought was really, like, sort of dark and twisted was that her mo- Tina's mother... Uh, rejects eating the unappetizing chicken dinner or whatever it is. She's just like, no, I'm not going to eat that. And then ironically, she does that at the same time that her daughter's face is being eaten by the ancestor of chickens that she's refusing to eat. Um, and I just thought that was really fucked up and funny. It is. I guess it's also not technically just her face. It's like her arm or something, but still the point is like, there's this weird parallel there of like, you know, no, I'm not going to eat that chicken. Meanwhile, the, the chicken's grandpa is munching her daughter. Um, I like that observation. I hadn't considered it. Um, I think he's probably because the dinosaurs were very set in the mind of people, certainly in 89. And he had to like lay the sort of lay the case uh, subconsciously that this bird thing that he's going to predicate the entire book on is going to be OK. Yeah, and and that's I I start to feel bad in my later notes because I just start noticing it all over the place. Right, like, he hasn't really said it too hard yet, but I mean, Grant's had his uh, dinosaurs have a lot in common with birds moment, right? Not at this point, not oh, by thought, chapter he... one. Oh no, no, no! no but in drew, our notes, Grant, in our reading, in our notes, yes, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, it's just later. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's that's my notes for that chapter. Okay. All right, that brings us to chapter two. Puntarinas. My note's on 18. Mine's on 18, which is probably before you, so I was going to say Basilicus Amaratus, fucking basilisks again, man. <laughs> yeah, can't get away from them. Nope. Uh, um, my my note's similar is that I looked up photos of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, of the, the, those of the lizard. silly running lizards, yeah. Yeah, that's what they are. They're, and they're, like the idea that someone would be like, oh, yeah, that would bite you like this thing bit her or even that her drawing would be of that thing Mm -hmm. is like that doctor is a bit of a dummy. I think, um, anyway, speaking of that doctor, uh, Gutierrez for, uh, for a brief moment, I was sure was a secret double agent, like trying to, trying to, trying to gather the thing so he could just like cover this up. 
Oh right. But then I, I then I then I hit a part where I was like, oh, I guess I guess maybe he's not, and found out no, he was just kind of like yeah, just a dismissive doctor. Doctors listen to your patients. Well, I think that again, these chapters specifically that we're reading for this uh, episode are there's a heavy theme of complacency in in science and medical professionals like this idea of and again i think it comes to that thing i mentioned earlier about this sort of hubris of not being afraid of something you've tamed like and not respectful the idea it's not respectful that's what ian malcolm says in his in his dinner sequence in the movie um but specifically here you know like like carl sagan said that thing about like you know nuclear power like we shouldn't have we shouldn't probably rely on that uh, unless we have a way of dealing with it and cleaning up after it like we do fires. Right. Like the idea is like we have, I don't remember his exact quote, but it's something like, you know, we have, we have firefighters in every city, in every town for the most part, if you're big enough, because we, we've been using fire as a species for a pretty long time. We still can't do it without setting things on fire unintentionally sometimes. So nuclear power is much more destructive much more uh, potentially like damaging to more innocent people. And it lasts a lot longer. So someone like him had the wherewithal to be like, maybe pump the brakes on certain things until we know more about this. God damn it. Carl Sagan uh, was the best. <laughs> he really was. Um, but then we have like this story that it has all of these really cocky, really arrogant, really, uh, sloppy devil may care. Sloppy is a great word. Uh, yeah, like scientists and doctors who are going around just like leaving out information, le- doing all this dangerous shit. It's it's it simultaneously like sounds like Crichton has an axe to grind. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what that axe is and I don't know why it is, but it's a, he does it well. He, he paints these people as as the, you know, selfish, self-obsessed like people that I, I think he intended to well, to a to a point but also uh, some of these things are reasonable like oh, i don't need to include this it's more work for me i'm pretty sure it's nothing so i'm gonna leave it out because it's silly it seems like an anomaly whatever they don't need this um i have moments like that i'm not necessarily proud of them but i do do that to think people do um and it's really it points out you know the holes in the system yeah uh, my next note's also on page 18. Yep. Uh, I wonder if Crichton here is alluding to the idea that's... Oh, this is specifically about the foam, the foamy bites. Right. I wonder if he's alluding to the idea that he believes that some dinosaurs may have had venomous bites uh, like the Komodo dragon. Uh, like paleontologists... And I don't know if the Komodo dragon's bite's technically venomous or if it's bacterial-based. Right. But regardless, I know that it's supposed to be a deadly bite because of something that goes along with it. Well, he says that the compies, uh, whatever, the the proteins in there are similar to the king cobra. Right, right. So, yeah, um, I think he's yeah. saying that there's some kind of at least low-grade, something that would, you know, but, be smaller but, than a compie would totally be paralyzed by this. But I wonder if he's suggesting that this could be a thing. This could be... It's never occurred to me, I guess, as I'm saying, this idea that, like... What we know about dinosaurs is mostly based on their skeletal records. Yes. So it, it's the same thing where it's like we don't know what color their skin was. We don't know what their uh, like we, we barely know that they had feathers at certain points. We barely know that they had like plumage or these other different things. Um, we're learning a lot more the more we like look into it. But like what I think the thing that here is that I find really interesting is he's sort of suggesting that. And again, I'm, I'm embarrassed that this never occurred to me, but this idea that we don't know if dinosaurs were venomous in, in any way or which species were. Um, 
I find that very fascinating to think that that could be an aspect of dinosaur information that we don't know and could very well. I mean, I'd be interested to know if there's any evidence suggesting that it really could be a case or if there's something in bird physiology or reptile physiologies that where it's like, oh, but yeah, but like in a King Cobra's skull, they have these outcroppings in their skull shape that where they keep their egg sac or their venom sacs or whatever. Sure. And I don't I just don't know enough about it to know if that's the truth or not. Well, I mean, this this is famously touched on later in the book and the movie, um, specifically this issue. And what I remember being mind blowing when I first read the book, like I never even thought of that because exactly like what you're saying, I only think of dinosaurs as, um, you know, <laughs> uh, clay over dinosaur skeletons. I don't right. think about, it. they could have different colors or stripes or poison. And, and, and I found that completely revelatory when I read this book. So I was like, or, holy shit. Or like, like Dilophosaurus, like the frills. That's well, like I, it's, and that one. I couldn't remember if that was, if if there could be, because I almost cited that just now. But I'm like, I maybe there could be a fossil record of that. I don't remember if the frills were something that could exist in historical record or not, because I don't know enough yeah, about it. But but that's the poison dinosaur you're yes. really talking about. I guess that's another thing that like I should have remembered the Dilophosaurus is poisonous and they spit, but I didn't. Yeah, it's, yeah um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it up if you didn't remember. So yeah. I forgot. I feel like a dummy. No, it's, um, just, the, it's uh, a good observation well, because you took yourself out of what you knew and enjoyed this book right, on a right. virginal level. But like also here, like I wish kind of that he had leaned harder into the feather aspect of the description of the dinosaurs, because I think that I'm, I mean, in a sense, I'm glad he didn't because of the way he wrote it and the way he wrote it. R- r- the doctor needs to doubt her that she was attacked by a lizard right or needs to doubt that she was that, that that's he needs to doubt her if she said i was attacked by a lizard that had feathers that would be an entirely different situation but she would have called it and a her bird. parents she could have called it a bird anything um it would have been a, a much more remarkable and different but but mo- here's the thing if they found the carcass and it was a lizard with fez- feathers or whatever it would have been another completely different situation right. it would not have been disregarded so in that sense like he kind of needs it to be something that can be disregarded like a lizard than rather like probably what those animals actually looked like when they lived did they know about the feathers at this point cuz i thought that was more They're, recent yes well in they 89 knew about when he wrote it they knew about Archaeopteryx. They mention Archaeopteryx in these chapters. So they knew about the the dinosaur with feathers. Okay. I don't know if they, they had extrapolated that to be basically we kind of think all dinosaurs had feathers. I felt like that was a later 90s thing, well, at least for public knowledge. I, I think that the general acceptance of it is was much later. Right. Um, Minus the obvious, like the one off, like, because that one, I believe I'm remembering now that you're saying it, like that's, was just called the feathered dinosaur. It's where this one had feathers, right guys? But it (laughs) was back to these lizard looking T-Rexes. Right. Um, the, uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure he mentions the Archaeopteryx in here because they talk about the hoax. That's that's in the part where they're talking about is this a hoax? Right. And they go through the the series of things that they believe to be hoax, and they mention Archaeopteryx that they all believed was a hoax, but was later proved to be very real uh, and very feathered. So I don't know. Like I said, it, it, it's like a catch twenty two where like I want them to be more accurate, mm-hmm. and and like I really wish he could lean into that more. But I think that it in the time this book was written and came out. He had, I think he was going about it the right way where he's leading into this whole thing about comparing them to birds constantly, not, but letting them visually resemble what everybody already understands dinosaurs to look like. So it's a damned if you do damned if you don't thing. 
I don't think this book would have been successful if he had made that leap. Right. Like if he had made the leap to they all have feathers. I don't think people would have. They would have been like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> the the feather dinosaur book. Yeah, pass. But even I think the one of the more recent Jurassic World movies has feathers on at least the raptors. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure that I haven't one seen of the, the more second Jurassic ones, World movie. I think it's in the first one. I think it's in the. I think there are some of the raptors have feathers. Blue didn't. I don't know. They should have more. Well, here. Um. I think that moves us to chapter three. The beach. I don't have. I have no notes for the beach. I've got no notes here. Yeah, no notes. Not at all. That brings us to chapter four. <laughs> <laughs> New York. I have a page twenty-five. I thought I thought it was weird to retransition from New York to Bahia Anasco. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just that, that felt weird mid chapter. Um, but what is your page twenty? Because I have I guess it happens later. I don't know what happens. It doesn't matter. Blah. Stupid note. Stupid. Am I, okay, I have like four <laughs> notes in this chapter, so. Um, uh, that's all so you, because I, I think I have no other notes. Uh, page 25, I'm really enjoying this minutia about laboratory procedures. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I liked it. I was like, ooh. <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know why. I was just really into it. Um, and then here, we uh, page 26, we talked about this already, though. The uh, Crichton doing a really good job of showing just how easy it is to accidentally confirm suspicion by omitting vital information when communicating. Mm-hmm. It's it's he does a, a fucking gorgeous job ex- showing exactly why it's so important to be very clear. Uh, something I don't feel like I do well enough, but like this is why. <laughs> like something as simple as like presuming people wouldn't. Like, presu- like presuming they would know that you couldn't confirm what type of lizard it was. So you instead just confirm what they've already sent you and then like and say, yeah, sure, that's that information's right there. They get the uh, that info back and they say they take it as confirmation. They go, oh, great. We we know this now. We got confirmation from this lab. And they're not the same thing. Yeah, it it's was, it's I th- it was really well conveyed. Extremely well. Another page 26. I just thought this this is interesting to me. Uh, I really love how deliberate he is when describing the dinosaurs as birds, and then I, I realized that kind of means that Jurassic Park is kind of like a sequel to Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it is. But but in a way like way scarier to me mm-hmm. because the birds and the birds behave like people. Right. They behave like 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 smart. Differently smart than the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, but like, yeah, they they they're they're conniving. Yeah, um, they're they're intelligent. Like they're super intelligent. The the things in Jurassic Park behave like hyper intelligent dogs or apes. Right. Like not the same kind of like exactly the same kind of intelligence, but still kind of scary. But they're also still primarily actually aggressive, terrifying dinosaurs or monsters, which the birds and the birds are for the most part in my memory just kind of stand around. Right. They look menacing, but they don't actually do anything. That's all my notes for that chapter. It's a lot of little chapters. I have to get used to this. A lot of chapters. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, do you have any more notes for chapter four? Nope. Then that brings us to chapter five. The shape of the data. Do you have anything here? I do. I actually pretty much, yeah. again, this, this is where I had my realization that you just uh, talked about. Are all scientists this bad at reports or is that part <laughs> of the novel? If X number of people cut corners, you get this perfect storm of outrageous situation report oh my it was on not reporting the genetic markers was my yeah, point yeah. yeah uh I, yeah i think yeah exactly um then, uh, I, I only have an overview of this chapter so then on 29 uh, kindle 29 uh Crichton seems to dismiss women and also be aware of commenting on the dismissal of women at the same time which i found fascinating 
Yes, I, I like that's basically my note here is is about the mom. Yeah, the mom who who knows that they're dinosaurs because she has kids, and then also shows that the dumb guy dismisses her because she's not as cool as he is because he has a class system. Maybe he's sexist too. But you're right. I think. I think. Well, we. I don't know. Um, there was also something in there uh, 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 in his, Crichton's description of that scene that felt dismissive of her. And so I'm like, he's doing both, and I don't know what the hell. Are you just like? Well, I. Uh, go ahead. I feel really dismissive of her. I feel like that. Like, if I was presented with that same concept, I wouldn't go, "Holy shit, we have a dinosaur in the office." I would think. You're okay. Sure, you're telling me that this drawing resembles the drawings your kid makes of dinosaurs. I'm not arguing that your kids aren't drawing dinosaurs and that those drawings don't that those drawings don't look like this drawing. I'm saying this drawing is of a basilisk lizard. We know this because of other context clues. You can tell me as much as you'd like that it looks like a dinosaur. Great, <laughs> but all these this other information I have tells me that it's a basilisk lizard. So thank you. But I don't know what you're pushing for. And that's what my problem of this chapter was, is he writes her like she's some sort of overly insightful, overly informed character. For some reason, she just knows it's really a dinosaur. That is weird to me. Well, uh, maybe it's just that he needed that brought home to the audience and had to have someone vocalize it for the first time. Maybe, but that also feels kind of lame. Like, it feels kind of, uh, it just doesn't feel as well-crafted as the rest of it so sure. far. Um, I'll try to take away my pejoratives, but, like, it it definitely feels less perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> than everything else has already been written. A little more J.K. Rowling. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit more J.K. Rowling. A little bit more <laughs> just, like, magic, sure, whatever. We, we need this lady to know what's a dinosaur. There it is. I've said it. Moving on. Right. Um, I also don't like... This is the part that bothered me so much about what he said about her was there's this second line in there about the reason the guy doubts her is because she's also made what he interpreted as uh, a fallacious accusation about another person in their work group stalking her. Yes, that was the that was the dismissal part that I couldn't remember. Thank you. That was the one that bothered me. Yeah, I was like that bothered me a lot, too. Oh, Michael. No, 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 no. Yeah. People should definitely feel safe reporting harassment in the workplace, and people hearing those reports should take those reports seriously. That was the part. Thank you, because I, I I just wrote this down, but didn't put enough notes, and and it was it was definitely that was like I felt like Crichton as the author was dismissing her because you know, yes we can't work with women without them having complaining about stuff like this. Come on, without yeah you can't you can't just you know play play grab ass anymore. These women are like oh I don't like that. I'm a person. I'm not an object. And that's been the Death Reader's Minute of Virtue Signaling. Maybe I don't understand what virtue signaling is. Isn't it, isn't it bad? It, it, it is. No, virtue signaling is saying things like, it's almost more important for us to get recognition for saying what we said than what we said. Oh, uh, okay. So, like, calling that out and disarming it ahead of time feels like a... It feels valuable. Mm-hmm. It could not be. I think I understand. All right. Um, I'm done. Do you have any more notes on? Okay. That brings us to chapter six. Second iteration, the shore of the inland sea. My page note is on page 36. 33. Yay, Alan Grant. Not that I know who that is. (laughs) Uh, Further on, uh, 33 also, Snake Water Mantana. 
Snake Water, Montana, not a real place. Oh, just, lame. Just looked it up. I just wanted. I just wanted to. I'm like. I'm like. And again, it was one of those got hits from only the Isn't Jurassic snake Park. Snake bite. Maybe. But Snake Water is it like Jurassic? The Jurassic Park wiki came up. It was one of those situations. Ah. Oh, I've got a. I've got a section to read. What's your 36? While well, I look this up. Just the idea that I probably shouldn't mention it every time he compares dinosaurs to birds. <laughs> um, but like every, but I, I very much am like noticing it as we're reading through. Like, oh, there he is again, calling a, an allusion to birds or like directly comparing dinosaurs to birds or any of that. Um, but again, I think he's painting that picture. He's he's building that into everyone reading it because that's a new concept. We're still thinking of them as lizards that cannot regulate their body heat. 100% as opposed to a bird, which can do that. Right. And, and that's still really novel. And he's like, no, 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 you need to understand that this is a bird thing. This is not in the lay culture yet. There's only the paleontologists are talking about this. And I need you to understand this. So everything that follows will seem wondrous. This is like, yep. you know, reiterating that Marley is dead. I, I'm not saying that I think it's bad. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm sensitive to it. So I'm picking it up. Oh, a little more cynical than I remembered. Uh, the passage was, The modern world was changing fast, and urgent questions about the weather, deforestation, global warming, or the ozone layer often seemed answerable, at least in part, with information from the past. Information that paleontologists could provide. And my note was, back when the scientific opinion mattered. So, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, but sorry also... bringing everyone down. But also remember that Michael Crichton was a global warming denier, so... Well, and yet, here... I mean, that's weird because he clearly. Like, I mean, that's I, I might be wrong. Apologies if he wasn't. Mm -hmm. But like the little bit I read made it sound like he he testified in front of Congress saying that global warming isn't necessarily a hoax, but it's not man-made. Gotcha. Which maybe at the time was the best science he had access to, mm -hmm. but certainly seems like there was a lot of science that was being kept from the American public from decades before he was making those comments that sure as shit proved that men, the, the humans were, are causing global warming to accelerate. Right. Our, our, our contributions to putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere is absolutely rapidly accelerating the heat of the planet. I would like to think he was, he would have eventually been presented with evidence that would have changed his mind. I guess I also would like that, but who knows? My next note's on page 40. Okay. Um, mine's 37. This was okay. another, this is just a fun accident. Uh, cause I, I just got in a habit of like looking up people. Like, is he talking about a real person or not? Right. And I found out, I looked up the two names, Bob Carey and John Weller. Mm -hmm. He mentioned scientists, uh, I believe. Um, and I found out they were both former governors in real life. Bob Carey mm. was a governor of Nebraska from 83 to 87, and John Weller was a governor of California in 1858 to 1860. And I'm like, maybe he's just combing through, like, old political tracks for names. Because clearly they're weird. not the characters, you know, represented here, but it was just a weird coincidence. It seems weird. I've always assumed that if I was going to do that, I would switch the first and last names between them. Oh, so it'd be and... Bob Weller and John Carey? But then you yeah. got a position, politician named John Kerry. There was a John Kerry in yeah, center true. at the then time. Pick, pick a different person you're you referencing. You can't just do that. Like, They've got to have <laughs> groundings in reality. I don't, I don't, I mean, just names are grounded in reality. As long as you believe it's a real name. Um, get to page 39. It's fun to know what Isla Neb Neblar means. Um, next Cloud one, Island? Cloud Island. 
Um, my next, my notes page 40, which I believe is around that time of where you are. Um, the quote from the book that I I pulled out was it's clear John Hammond is evading the law. And I was wondering if you could help me understand why that's clear, because I don't feel like it's clear to me. I think it's clear on a, I've got a hunch chief. I want to pursue this story kind of way. He's being sneaky. But a hunch isn't clear. No, it's not. But that's what you say to people when you want them to, to, to agree with you and fund your whatever and go along with your hunch so you can investigate and get the actual proof. Okay. That, that, that's the best I can do. I don't think it's clear. I, 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 I was just trying to think about the, the, the evidence he was submitting, and it was mostly about, like, isn't it weird that he's, like, paying all these people a lot of money? And isn't it weird that, like, he's buying all this amber? And isn't it weird that he's moving these supercomputers to Costa Rica, these genetic engineering computers? Isn't this weird... It must be illegal. And it's like, that's not how law works. That's not how, like, it should work, bro. Think about it like this. Uh, At any day before today, you might have heard someone say, it's clear that Trump lied about his taxes. (laughs) And now it's clear. Um, It's, yeah. I think think it's just like that. It's just that sort of... Well, there's a difference between clear and visible, too. Like... It was clear that he was lying about his taxes. It wasn't visible yet. Sure. And he was the, the clear thing about it was how hard he was making sure people didn't get to see it. That was clear. Sure. What Hammond's doing here is like I don't know, like uh, He's being a sneaky puss. Yeah, it's just like, man, don't you guys hate that we can't, we don't know what's going on with all that amber? And it's like, dude, let it go. Like Well, on the Cray computers. Yeah, but who let so what? Like I don't know. It I, I, I wish that this part was a little more uh, clear. <laughs> like, I wish that I wish that this part had more in it that was, like, so obviously nefarious. Uh-huh. Anyway, my next note's on 43. 42. I'm enjoying how he's setting the scene. Crichton. Um, there's an almost end of, like, a mystery novel aspect where we know mm-hmm. where the story will go somewhat. And seeing all the pieces moved into place is really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't really get that with the movie. You just had to get into it and, you know, go, go, go. But this is, yeah. I'm, en- I'm enjoying the setup. It's, 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 it's building anticipation. And I'm like, cool, cool. I'm liking this. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it too. Same, same reason. Like I just feeling like, again, it's that whole thing about feeling like I'm reading a book for me, <laughs> like a book for my reading level and things that I understand. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 43. Uh, okay. I got two on forty-three. Uh, Walt Disney was kind of evil. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I. I. I feel like even at this point, that was a tongue-in-cheek joke. Okay. I feel like that was okay. a good. Um, for people who aren't expecting it, this is a this is a painting a picture of Hammond for you, and then hoo ha, you're gonna be surprised. And for people who are in the know, they're gonna know what I'm doing. Well, I also though am, am reminded of like there is another comparison to between Hammond and Disney in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 idea about the Pirates of the Caribbean ride mm-hmm. is deliberately I think probably put in there if it's not in the book, right? Um, so I think that yeah, there, there's definitely supposed to be like a suggestion that he's a he's a Disney type, especially I think again when it comes to the development of the park itself. Absolutely. You're supposed to get that feeling, but 100%. I like that it's peppered in here earlier. Well, I mean, I mean, Jobs hadn't really made his big job stand. I think he'd even been fired from Apple at this point and was doing his right. other project. Um, so Pixar, 
No. Well, probably, but he started another computer. I forgot what it was called. Oh, okay. Um, and it didn't do well. Um, but I feel like if you had to go to, not necessarily megalomaniac, but just, you know, massive thing, especially if you're talking about making a park of any kind, you're going to, it's going to be Disney comparisons all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are the people who invented that concept. Right. Like, I mean, Ed- yep. Edison so far back in the past and Bezos wasn't even on the map yet. So he pretty much left you with Disney. Yeah. Um, um, my other 43 is something we already talked about, which is just like, I don't, I couldn't tell what year it was. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I found it. I, uh, my 43, uh, there is a real Biosyn, which I, I'm amused okay. by. It was founded in 95. Uh, okay. Like five years after, six years after this. Um, I think I was trying to look up the rabies case and see if that was real or not. And I think it wasn't, but it was funny to find that there is a real Biosyn company. That's my end of the notes for this. Uh, I have a little overview and uh, I said my note here is a little tongue in cheek, but it says like nobody reading this book expected uh, dinosaurs, right? You do, you do, you are going to have dinosaurs in your dinosaur book. (laughs) Hello. Cause it, it, (laughs) is this thing on? (sighs) Um, My, my point here is that it's pretty clear that all of the phone calls Gennaro's making to Hammond in the middle of the night about hadrosaur diets are because they actively have succeed or excuse me, Grant. Who, what did I say? Hammond. Calling Grant in the middle of the night is clearly because they've actually succeeded in hatching baby hadrosaurs and they need to feed them and they don't know what they eat or how to feed them the thing they eat. So like, that to me seems like exactly why this and he does a great job of describing that in a way that if you know that that must be what happens right. that's what happens but it's one of those moments where i was reading and i was thinking i wonder if there are any people who were reading this who don't know that right instantly or or why um, didn't grant have more of an inkling with the clues but i have a note on that later right so right um could just be me yeah uh Anyway, I, I but I, what I love though that he doesn't he has not yet told us mm-hmm. that that's why it's happening. It's again, it's the showing not telling. Mm-hmm. He's fucking doing yeah. it. <laughs> he's he's really doing it. I love it. Yeah, that brings us to chapter seven. Skeleton. I only have an overview. Okay. Um, this was an interesting thing. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it's only because it's so pervasive and saturated in the media but hammond speaking in his grandiose bullet points really reminded me of trump mm. just that you know big park huge great love it that kind of thing and i i i'm just like maybe it's a kind of person but it's certainly painting at least book hammond in a specific way for me and i'm just like huh i know i'm bringing <laughs> most of that baggage to the party but still it's interesting and it's the first time you would have brought that to the party too. It's it, it would not have clouded your other readings of this book because you would have no reason Absolutely, to have had him so prevalent not. in your mind. But if that's a you know just a type of person, a type of businessman, then then they would be lumped in the same category. Whether they're equally reprehensible is yet to be determined. But it could just be mm-hmm. a personality of someone in that position. Right. Um, my overview note for this chapter is that uh, one a whole lot of exposition mm-hmm. right there, just a big dump. Uh, I, I enjoyed it though. I I think that I, at this point I had the realization that I, I think I was comfortable saying that I think I like the beginning of the book better than the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and I think it has to do with the things you were describing before about like the the mystery aspect, all these things falling into place, and his like way of showing you all this stuff. 
building the suspense, building the understanding of the events that are happening. Mm -hmm. However, I think that the compi attack fits better as the start of the second film more than it would fit in the beginning of the first film Mm. because it lets you know it's, it's for one, it's a great, it's a fantastically uh, conceived scene, but it also for the second movie, it confirms for you like, Oh my God, not only are the dinosaurs not dead because of the lysine contingency, but they're thriving. Right. And getting out, they are, they're getting out. Yeah. They're all over the Island. They are succeeding in like breeding and moving on. Right. And that is like, because that's at the very beginning of the film It's before you've gotten back to the Island. It's before you see how they've taken over, um, all that stuff. It's, uh, I think it works really well in the second film. The only part I don't like about it is the smash cut to Jeff Goldblum yawning afterwards. There's Um, some interesting editing choices in that movie. Um, I will say also that it can kind of lessen the impact, even though they're the smallest possible, not the smallest possible dinosaur, but the smallest possible dinosaur that we're going to be exposed to. Right. Um, It still kind of lessens the impact because effectively we have seen a dinosaur Yes, yes. And it, we don't get a, as big a, you know, punch in the face. Here you go. Now it's time. The, I mean, the first time we see a dinosaur is the T-Rex, right? No, it's the, it's the, it's the Triceratops. It's the Brachiosaur. Right? Fuck, you're right. And the Hadrosaurs. And they're moving in herds. Yeah, it's, it's the, they're moving in herds, right? How'd you do this? I'll show you. And, and, and I gotta say, <laughs> we're not there yet, but Sam Neill's bit of pulling the glasses off is... God, that movie's amazing. So um, <laughs> um, that's my notes for chapter seven. Okay, me too. That moves us to chapter eight. Coane, Swain, and Ross. I have no notes. Really? Okay, well, I've got 54, K54. Okay. A paleontologist, a paleobotanist, and a mathematician. Excellent! <laughs> just just the uh, the pieces are in, getting into place. It's very fun. Yeah. I feel like we're gonna be in the in the real heart of the story soon. I think I'm I think you're right. I, but even the setup goes. This was pretty entertaining setup. This was not. This is a good setup. This was not yeah. six chapters or even three chapters of you know the Dursleys and my summer is long <laughs> and boy that was some crazy shit that happened last time and and an equivalent page number length. Yes, like keep that yes. in mind. Like, yes, we we we. And, a lot of these characters are, are one-offs that just help further the right. story. We're not going to come back to necessarily re- re- uh, Bobby Carter. I don't think we are. Um, but something's been established, and it was fun yeah. doing it. Right. Uh, that I, I picked this amount of page numbers because I was trying to match it to how much I felt like we were comfortable reading with the last books. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's how, kind of... We, we would go three chapters, but like we're, occasionally we wouldn't. But I felt like our best episodes were between 50 to 70 pages anything more than that got tedious and tiring anything less than that felt wasteful like it felt short and with these little mini chapters it's a lot easier it's very easy to to get a whole lot of content in though and we can get real close to that number so the way i have this book broken up it should be around the 60 or so pages each each time excellent um so I, I hope that like it moves us through the book at a at a at a clip that's enjoyable and maybe even well paced. I don't know because we'll we'll find out. But I think that this as a first episode or a first uh, selection of cha- uh, pages has been really good. Yeah. Do you have any other notes on uh, chapter eight? Nope. Then that brings us to chapter nine. Plans. Uh, I have a page fifty four. Go for it. 
this is just a very simple thing that I, I picked up on and noticed right away that the uh, the codes that they use. Okay, that is actually my first. Now go for it, though. Okay, is is just like it's pretty clear to me right away that they are referencing dinosaur names. Yes. So like P is for Procompsethogonanus. <laughs> I don't know how to say that one. Sorry, guys. Copy. Uh, D. Yeah, it's the copy. D is for Triceratops. LN is for a dinosaur I don't recognize. Oh, wait. I thought they had more specific names than that, not just single letters. They had like full clumps of... It was like O-N-T-H-N. That's all they said was O-N-T-H-N. Some ornith... Uh... They don't mention it at any point in the sure in the sure, book sure, sure, yet, sure. but then the other one, the other one's Hadrosaur, yeah. which we do. We, so we've heard about the compies. We we know from the movie that Triceratops will be there, mm-hmm. and we've talked about Hadrosaurs a fucking lot. I thought it was a very fun clue. Um, Me too. If you're Loved if you're paying it. attention to it, not just glazing over because here comes look you know computer code or right. whatever. Uh, my problem is since they did mark it out, does that just mean that? Grant and Sadler are not... There's only four dinosaurs? No. Does it mean that Grant and Sadler are not that imaginative? Because I'm the kind of person who leaps to conclusions 80% of the time, which is conservative, I am wrong. Um, uh, but I don't I, think so. But I think that the... Well, I mean, with, with the Gennaro calling him in the middle of the night about what do dinosaurs eat, seeing this thing here, boy, it sure looks like a zoo, but for really big animals, I feel like they've got enough to be like... Nah, but it means at least float it uh, among themselves in their trailer with no kids around. Just be like, yo, do you think he's got fucking dinosaurs, right? That'd be, that's stupid. I, I think that you have a point, especially considering when they get the compy leg. Right. When they get that x-ray of the of And the then Hammond being like, I will get that for you. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, I think that there is a little bit of naivete, but imagine, think about you're putting yourself in that position. Sure. like. There are certain things in the world that we all consider to be impossible to the point where we don't even entertain them in our thoughts. And I think that this is one of them. Sure. And so like to me I think that I don't I don't fault them for believing that something is un impossible and unquestionably so. Okay. Um what? I'm just I this is just only a personal reflection. Um I'm not like Alice, and I believe six impossible things before breakfast, but I certainly have and will entertain them. Even though I'm like, clearly this is not the case, but a lot of people have been sick lately at school. Um, what if vampires have taken over my town? No, that's stupid. <laughs> Still, though, going to have a sharp pencil and a lot of garlic. <laughs> I mean, just shit like that. Well, it's uh, I, I entertain ridiculous things probably more than I should and it's just looking at all the clues I'm like no one really no one's gonna be like but you can you, you have you have the the you have the super knowledge you have you know more than they know but I'm telling but based on my experiences of me I feel like I would have at right, least but, come but up like with this, you've this point. always been wrong in those situations always. right like you don't know exactly well I mean I'm presuming if you had if you believed your high school was overrun by vampires I never said high school because you read it was, because you it read was totally Salem's Lot <laughs> Then I think that like that's different than being than being a you know a professional paleontologist and being like wait a minute dinosaurs are alive <laughs> I mean I think that the 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 compi skeleton kind of throws a, a a monkey wrench into that 
conceit. Well, yeah, but I can take a monkey wrench back out by saying everything's moving so fast or barely having time to sit around and really well, contemplate and, it. And they also, he, he he puts in that insistence of like, like, oh, but what about all these other animals that existed forever and we didn't know? Like the, the, the sharks from the Cretaceous period, right. this other fish is from the Cretaceous period. Maybe compies made it out. Crocodiles Alligators, are from the Triassic, you know, Crocodiles, yeah. right. Right. Um, stuff like that. Sure. I, I kind of... I, I, I think that they have enough there, but I think of it like if you think about it like on a Lovecraft level, like if that's a lot of Lovecraft stuff is, is essentially a normal person finding out that there's some crazy shit happening and then they go fucking crazy because of it. I guess that's um, true. So like it, eh, I think it's fine. Okay. Okay. Uh, my last note is on Kindle page 62. All right. It's actually a section that I will read is actually a section that I believe was basis for a scene in the movie but it's not why i highlighted it okay doesn't look very fearsome one of the kids said he wasn't grant said <laughs> at least not until he grew up probably this baby had scavenged feeding off carcasses slain by adults after the big animal had gorged themselves and lay basking in the sun carnivores could eat as much as 25 percent of their body weight in a single meal and it made them sleepy afterwards the babies would chitter and scramble over the indulgent somnolent bodies of the adults and nip little bites from the dead animals the babies were probably cute little animals um, I thought it was a cool transition to authoritative narration slash fiction. Um, because at first I didn't even realize Grant had stopped talking, and and I'm like, and part of me was like, how could he know all this? And I'm like, oh wait, no, he stopped talking way early, and Crichton just took over and described this thing. And at that point, it was just completely fiction. You couldn't know that they were cute and you know a a, a family unit. Um, and I, I was very slick. Again, it was very. I'm like, I didn't even realize. He was he had taken over and had some science, and now he's completely fictional. Well, I have I have two things to say about what you said. The first one is more like a six foot turkey. <laughs> turkey. Uh, the second one is I don't n- recall if in the film they explained that a big part of Grant's character is that he's interested in in dinosaur babies. That he's really interested in. Uh, baby dinosaurs and because in this moment in the film it's a full adult velociraptor skeleton they've discovered right it's the point of the the guy says the kid says that doesn't look very scary more like a six foot turkey right like six foot is the important part there that's a full grown absolutely raptor so in this it's a baby skeleton it's it's an infant two to four months i think he says Mm -hmm. Uh, talk about the tiny little teeth it was super adorable yeah Exactly. And like this idea of like that being Grant's speciality is really significant to me because it's it's like it adds so much more weight to the interest he must have to the awe he must have about this whole industry, this whole place, this whole like Wonka chocolate factory, this whole wonderland Mm -hmm. of a place where baby dinosaurs are being bred rapidly and and then and even more to that scene in the film where he gets to hold the baby raptor uh-huh. like newborn baby raptor and he's cradling it like it makes me wish they had added that context to the film because i guess it's enough to just see dinosaurs for, for the first time but like it's so much in at least right now i expect it to be so much more curated for his specific interests mm-hmm. than any other paleontologist i feel like there are nods to it in the film there's a very interesting little bit of acting where he's looking at the uh, eggs laid in the wild and he smells it. Yeah, that I always really liked, but, and it just it, it made me feel like it was related to this. 
but there's the other part of the of the movie where he he says you want to have one of those and she says not that kid but yes a breed of child dr grant and he goes and he goes you know they smell baby smell (laughs) and then she goes cheap 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 anyway so he he hates kids is my point like the whole a big part of his character in the movie is that he fucking hates children that's spielberg that Spielberg hates kids. Spielberg wants him to have a have a moment where he has to come around and be the dad figure, and learn right. to love. What kids. I'm saying is like he gets he. I mean, I I get that he, but he kind of has. I like the transition of being a guy who's focused on having dinosaur kids to being a guy who could be open to the idea of having human kids. Okay. Like, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen in the book, sure. but like, you could have the same turn and still have the whole like. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, pale- paleopediatrist. Like, I don't know what you would call, like, the baby uh, doctor. A paleopediatrician. Paleopediatrician. Yeah. There you go. Um, episode title. Um, <laughs> sure. <clears throat> the, um, but, like, it's, I feel like there's a lot of value there for, like, again, what makes him even more enraptured by this world than anyone else like i think that, that like again it would probably speak more to why he's interested in in, in pursuing this stuff more than malcolm is mm-hmm. like at least i'm assuming that malcolm's gonna be a lot like he was in the movie where almost instantaneously confrontational sp- uh, uh skeptical uh critical um he goes along with it because he's also a party guy right. but like he, he the whole scene over the chilean sea bass where they like he just he, he just goes off on how awful it is and it's Grant doesn't have that. Right. Grant doesn't have that same feeling in the in the story in the in the movie. And I would I think that it could make it even stronger in the book. Is I guess what I'm suggesting. Okay. Uh, if if they if they and if they could have made it stronger in the film if they had introduced the stuff that is in the book about him being interested in dinosaur uh, child rearing. Any more notes? Um. No, I have no more notes. Uh, I don't either. Uh, that's that's my notes. I feel like. We went through like nine chapters, the introduction and the prologue. Great introductions. We got some characters we recognize. That's fun. We're getting close. Yeah, I, it really feels like we're actually starting the book. I'm ex- I'm, I mean, we've, we've, there's a lot of groundwork laid, a lot of information, a lot of stuff. We're finally getting to the parts where like the movie's actually moving forward mm-hmm. in my head. Like my understanding of the narrative is actually progressing. Right. I'm I'm having a great time with it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. Um, are you gonna wait uh, closer to recording to read, or are you gonna like read tomorrow? I probably won't read tomorrow, okay. but uh, just because I, I want to I don't... I come into it about the same freshness from the material as you. So, okay, I don't know because I I don't I don't I don't know, but uh, we'll see how it, how my schedule goes. But I do believe that. I mean, I think that brings us to a new word alert. <laughs> not hadrosaur is it because we, we know what hadrosaur is no okay uh i do this apparently i found out weirdly this is my my wife's favorite part of the show <laughs> she i think she likes the intro music and i i, I was like really and she's like yeah like <laughs> nice that's weird all right you ready yep lavage 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 it sounds french um it's a word i've heard probably in these chapters maybe 
I definitely. I don't know what it means at all. I have no clue. Okay. Lavage is a noun. Uh, British, usually, it says, that means washing. Like the act of washing the, or like hanging up the washing? The, especially the therapeutic washing out of an organ or part. Oh. It was used in the first yeah, yeah, sequence yeah. where she's like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure. I've had some lavage before. Pro tip, uh, you get a knife wound in your leg. Don't. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Don't. We had trouble with with sharp objects in my house. Um, we? Well, this was my leg. Um, you had. Pro- okay, go ahead. You go ahead. Look. No, everyone had some issue with a knife, and I was only involved in two. Okay. <laughs> One was How not many a knife, more was were a there? Um, my brother accidentally slid his wrist open. Jesus, Rob. Okay. <laughs> it was. He was cutting through like a uh, what do you call what do you call, like like a zip tie, and he was pulling towards himself, and it went and just right into his wrist. Gush, gush, gush. So you were saying about if you stab yourself? I didn't stab myself. It was my knife, though. Okay. Point is, when you get a wound, don't use a terry cloth kitchen towel, or all those fibers are going to get in there. And when you get to the ER, finally, uh, they're going to want to clean them out. And because it's the ER, they never like to give you any kind of anesthetic and tell you it's not going to hurt. And it does. And they're liars. Um. So lavage. Wow. Okay. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um. <laughs> This is why I have an issue with arterial blood. Mm-hmm. I've seen it at least once. It's not fun. Shiver. Um, our next word. You ready? Yes. Kawadi Mundi. Kawadi Mundi. That's that's the Jedi with the big head, right? Kawadi Mundi. That's key. That's that's Ki Mundi. Oh. This is Kawadi Mundi. What what is what is uh, Kaiwari Mundi? It's a uh, it's an animal. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's like a bird. It's you no, know, it's a, it's like a it's 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 mentioned in this book. It's one of the animals that they mention in in um, that the girl has on her like uh, her bingo sheet. Huh. Oh, oh, um, like her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tina has it because she wanted to look. She wanted um, she wanted it to be a different kind of monkey, and they thought it was a yeah. It's either either of two tropical American mammals. Related to the raccoon, but with a longer body and tail and long, flexible snout. Huh. Okay. Did not know that. Yeah, I don't... They, they, they do kind of... They have this... They have a really strange-looking animal. Like, they look, again, like a, a mix between a raccoon and, like, a monkey, almost. They... Or, or like, a possum or an anteater. They're just really weird-looking. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. That's it. That's my words. Well, I don't think those should count. Um... What? Because, <laughs> you know, so many of them were based in taxonomy. I'm not going to know all the uh, fancy names for animals. I mean, I think that's, uh, not an aval- that's not a valid excuse. It's not. It's really not. I was grasping at straws. I mean, the idea that you read that in this book and didn't look it up. I was, I was busy with, you know, real things like governors of California in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You looked up all these other things. There's this one word that makes no sense. There's no context clues to, to get you to understand what it is, except maybe it could be an animal in this area. And you didn't go, what does that look like? I mean, it doesn't sound good when you say it like that. <laughs> all right. That's I, that's my show. That's it for yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Um, other than 
Denial is not a river in South America. I know. No, it's not. Um, hey, I, I, I'm super excited to continue reading. I'm, I'm so glad. I think another thing that I'm psyched about is I'm so glad to be <sighs> in a book that I'm not just like feeling compelled to rip apart because it has so many problems. Right. And that is huge for me. I mean, no, like I am so grateful. No book is going to be perfect. We're going to find something to talk about with everything. But as I hadn't realized, there were a lot of things to talk about in Harry Potter. And hopefully this book won't uh, hit so many benchmarks. Or, no, I mean, so far we have this weird like relationship between Michael Crichton and women. Yeah. But other than that, like it's a really well-written book. Yeah. Like, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm just psyched to keep reading it. So that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Well, how far are we going uh, next time? Next time we'll on re- death readers, we'll read through chapter. We will read through chapter. We'll read from Hammond, which I believe is chapter 10 to the tour. I don't know what number that is, but we're reading through the tour the tour. I believe that that is for me. It's, uh, it's the tour the next chapter is called Control. Mm-hmm. Which could be Control so, Room. It could be the idea of Control. Who knows? Control is a title that happens a lot, which is why it's not as easy to use. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Other than den- denial is not in South America. Right. I'll put that down. Um, yep. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I like I said, I, I'm really excited for the next episode. I hope our listeners enjoyed this. Um, All right, well, uh, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. These reviews might seem silly, but they actually help us out a lot. Check us out on Twitter, at RealDeathReader. If you want more Death Readers content, there's more available by joining Death Readers Patreon at www.patreon.com slash deathreaders. If you hate us and want to tell us how terrible we are, please send all hate mail comments to our Reddit account, you slash deathreaders. To kill all the two of the others. I don't know why I love that line so much. I feel like your version of his accent's a bit more Crocodile Dundee than it is. It's it's definitely uh, countrified Australian, but I will say that actor's British, so I feel mm. I feel completely within my rights to ramp up the um uh, stereotypes, maybe <laughs> the generics. Gennaro. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I just love Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> now who's giddy? I mean, let me put it this way. When you drive down that huge, thorough street throughout through the middle of a- do you not think of Robert Muldoon? Because I do. Northern Lights? No, Muldoon. Oh. I guess it's not... I'm, I, it's, no, it's not really through the whole thorough street, you didn't say his name... Or I did. I said the name of the street. You said his name, so I wasn't making that connection. I was like, because you're looking for the cars that are sneaking up on either side of you. No, because of Muldoon. Yeah, I do not, because I don't often drive down that street. Uh, uh, oh, hold on. What's um, like a word like decency? What another word for that? Um, being humane, being decent, being good, being uh, not uh, by doing that, you're not supporting. Any- so you are being conscientious, courteous, conscientious. I? I like is conscientious, conscientious works, 
conscientiousness uh, finds you a way. You want to start over your line? No. Are you sure? Because it sounds really ridiculous. <laughs> what no. we just done? Nope. Uh, trust, sounds... trust me. It, I, I I hear it in my head. Okay, but okay, as long as you're cutting it to sound reasonable, because dude, no, I'm going to cut out your interruption. So thank you're just going to laugh at my awesome thank reference. God.